This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover. Of course, I think that cats are so unique and so fun, and there's really no one on the planet that agrees with me more than my guest today. Karen Lawrence is one of the directors of the Cat Fanciers Association Foundation and also the manager of the Feline Historical Museum. And you may not have even known there was a Feline Historical Museum. So when we talk to Karen, we're going to learn lots of things that we didn't know about the history of cats and this museum. So stay tuned right after this message to learn all kinds of cool things about the history of cats. We'll be right back. Hey, Dr. Cat again. You know how every house has a certain smell or every place has a certain smell that you kind of associate with that place? I remember when I was 17, my very first job was at a toy store and it had a very, very distinctive odor because of all the plastic and all the things that were in the toy store. I could go into that toy store even today and I would remember that smell and it would bring up, you know, memories for me. But one thing your house never has to smell like is the litter box. Because for that, I found Arm & Hammer Clump and Seal. It seals and destroys odor on contact for seven days. A seven-day odor-free home guaranteed. You don't want your house to smell like a litter box. Get Arm & Hammer Clump and Seal. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And I have my guest today, Karen Lawrence. Hi, Karen. Hi there. How are you? I am great. I am really, when I heard about this museum, I reached out to you because this is just fascinating to me. I want to learn about it and just maybe set up a trip to go see it. So talk with me a little bit about how the Cat Fanciers Association Foundation kind of started and, and how you got into to cat fancying. The foundation itself was established by the Cat Fanciers Association, which is the world's largest registry of pedigreed cats. They started as a 501c3 not-for-profit foundation in 1990, and we've been collecting historical pieces and artifacts and figurines and artwork ever since. And I started breeding cats in 1971, so I've been around for a while, the cat fancy. I judge at cat shows, so I, I have a vested interest in the history of the pedigreed cat. So you've probably learned a lot of really interesting facts about cats and where they came from and how they came to be such a big part of our lives. But I'd like to ask the uncomfortable questions, I guess, first. Do you have a favorite type of cat? I bred Abyssinians for almost 40 years, so I guess you could say that was my favorite. Oh, I love I love Abyssinians, but I, I love all cats. I mean, I can't even really say that. So so you said you, you've been breeding cats since 1971, and you have had this foundation since, did you say 1990? Since 1990, yes. That is excellent. So tell us a little bit about where the foundation is and what all kinds of things you do. 
foundation, when CFA first started it, they were in New Jersey, but they moved to Alliance, Ohio, which is about an hour and a half southeast of Cleveland. And we purchased a an old bank building, and they offered us the ground floor to have our museum display. We'd never actually been able to exhibit our artifacts before. They were all just kept in a storage unit, so we were thrilled to be able to have 5,000 square feet of exhibit space that we could like show everything that we have that's cat to the public. So what is the oldest piece that you have, the, the most historical or the oldest piece that you have a cat-related piece? I have a pewter nut bowl from 1883. It's uh, about 14 inches high. It's a typical Victorian nut bowl, but it's engraved. First prize, Boston Cat Show, November 1883. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Well, so walk us through the museum. If, you know, what kind of things could we learn? I mean, don't ruin it for us. No spoilers. But what kind of cool <laughs> things could we learn and see if we did go to visit? We have a uh, a graphic display on basically the history of the cat, where it started in Egypt and migrated through trade routes, et cetera, et cetera, and how the different breeds developed over the years in England and throughout the world up to today's 45 breeds that are recognized by CFA. We also have a number of artifacts dating back, as I said, as far as 1883. We have the silver collar from 1895 that was won by a Maine Coon at the Madison Square Garden show that year. In that same year, 1895, we also have a Siamese Cat Club Best Cat medallion that was awarded at a show in England. So we, we have a number of artifacts. We have a tendency to do breed displays. We have a huge number of photographs on display of cats dating back as far as 1885. Wow. So and, you said you love Abyssinians. And you tell us a little bit about the history of maybe just the Abyssinian breed. Like, how did they come to be? And, and what do you know about all of that? We can trace the Abyssinian breed. The first mention of the Abyssinian breed is in an 1872 book by Gordon Stables which actually has a, a full-color lithograph photo at the front. And that, that's basically the first mention of an Abyssinian that we found. The breed dates back to basically Somalia, that area of Africa that borders on the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean. And they migrated to England. The breeders in England worked with the development of the breed, and, and we now have this beautiful cat that they are responsible for, and we haven't changed the look of them. We haven't changed the colors of them very much over the years. So it's just a fantastic breed. Well, so I had read an article about how dog breeds have changed and, and that certain types of dog breeds long ago looked completely different from the modern day ones. But cats really aren't, that's not the case for cats. So I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you mentioned it. Most of our cat breeds look pretty much like their original examples of the breed. Is that true? Oh, not really. You're going to get Persians from the late 1800s that had exceptionally long noses, huge ears. They looked actually more like Maine Coons than they did like Persians, uh, what we call a Persian today that has the flat face, the small ears, the short, compact body. Same with the Siamese. The Siamese were very much apple-headed way back when, and today they're very sleek and refined. Well, I love that about the Siamese. So talk for just a second. You said that you are a judge in cat shows. So how are the standards by which the cats are measured? How are those decided with 
the changes in the breed along along the way. In CFA, each breed has what they call a breed council, which is comprised of members who actually work with the breed or have worked and have distinction within the breed in the past years. And they determine the changes to the breed standard. They may want to just tweak the the wording or adjust the coloring or even accept new colors. They may want to change the description of the eye shape and things like that. And, And that all comes from our breed councils. And they work very hard to make sure that the standard for their breed is exactly what it should look like, not exactly what it's being shown today. You have to have a standard to work to for perfection. Right, I guess. And it has to evolve. Well, that is that is really fascinating. So it is my understanding, though, that as kind of a history, a cat history buff, you guys have compiled a lot of stuff that is a part of the museum and it is also available on a website. Can you talk a little bit about that? We have a website called The History Project that we've developed. We have done an awful lot of research. We've gone back through old magazines and books and everything that we have in our library. And we've managed to, with a co-author in New Zealand, write over 300 individual stories about cats from the late 1800s, the early 1900s. We've covered a number of breeds. We've done Siamese, Persians, Abyssinians, of course. We also have a lot of Manx stories, a lot of British short hair stories, and we've developed this website. And it's pretty awesome. It has a a photo gallery of cats through the decades. And uh, like I said, these individual stories, which a lot of them are British cats, so it includes the aristocracy because they were part of the cat fancy way back when. Now, you said that there is a silver collar from 1895, and it was a show collar. So, is it actually silver, like sterling silver? It is sterling silver. Wow, that is fascinating. And it's engraved. And it has a little... That is so cool. It has a little lock on the back. Well, they called it a main cat. The name was Cozy. We actually have the show catalog from the 1895 cat show as well. So, we know that Cozy was a male cat. He was a brown tabby. He was owned by Mrs. Frederick Brown of Long Island. And his entry number was 166 in the Madison Square Garden show in 1895. Well, I'm going to take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsors. But I want to come back and talk with you more about tracking history and, and what we can learn about cats through the ages. So we'll be right back. I have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching. His paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing great improvements and today 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog and he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio dot com. 
Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. So today I'm talking with Karen Lawrence about the history of cats. And we were talking about the History Project website where you can see photos. There's a photo gallery and all kinds of stories about cats through our history. So Karen, I kind of wanted to pick back up with that. Is there information like if I um, had a cat that I kind of knew its breed and history, could I go to the museum or even the website and find out about other cats like my cat? If you have a pedigree for your cat, we can trace it. For the most part, uh, we have our stud books that were starting to compile those in 1906. We also have some stud books from the Beresford Cat Club, which was established in Chicago, and they go back to the early 1890s. So if, if you have an actual pedigree, if you have a purebred cat with a pedigree, chances are we can trace back. Well, that is really cool because I just love that. So what other kinds of things could we see if we went to the actual museum? Do you have a uh, cat-related art? We have a wall. We have a 50-foot by 17-foot high wall of cat art. Everything from original drawings to Chessie posters, the Chessie Railroad posters. And we have Panamanian molas that depict the cat and all sorts of art. And we're constantly changing it because we have a, a huge amount of art in storage as well. So that's part of our art gallery. We also have a number of figurines. We have seven cases of figurines on display, anything from exquisite Royal Dalton pieces to a Chinese roof tile. Did you say a Chinese roof tile? I said a Chinese roof tile. It's a clay roof tile that is a warrior riding a cat. It's absolutely Well, I think cats are like kind of magic and I, I guess they thought so too. That's excellent. So, what about if we went to the museum, what would it cost to get in and all of that kind of stuff? Admission is free. We're a, a not-for-profit. We are managed on income on our investments, so we are able to allow free access to the museum. We do accept donations, of course, but for the most part, we, we just want to share our love of the history of cats with cat lovers. And you said you have 5,000 square feet to display your cat things, right? We do. Yeah, oh, it's, an, it's an old bank building. We even have a vault, the original bank vault, which is where we have our cat doll collection. Oh, cat doll. So did you take part in picking where the displays are and how things were displayed? Because that sounds like it would be really fun. I have organized the entire museum. <laughs> wow. Um, I, so, I've I done mean, the graphic works for the art displays and, and whatnot and organized all of the, the gallery displays and the historical displays. Yes. Well, I think if I was in a room with boxes full of cat artifacts, I might be there just sifting through stuff forever. I mean, I don't know if I'd ever get done. That's amazing. Oh, it's like Christmas every day. (laughs) I love that. So I would like to tell my listeners if they would like to support your history project or your museum through donation, I would like to tell them exactly how to find you and how to do that. Can you do that for us? Sure. The easiest way to find us is online. Our website is felinehistoricalfoundation.org. We also have a presence on Facebook under CFA Foundation, and donations can be accepted either monetary or pieces because everything in our museum, pretty well everything, has been donated to us. So what is the oldest breed of cat that we have today? It would be a toss-up between the Siamese and the Persian. The Persian, of course, originated in the area 
of the Persian Gulf that we now call Iran. And the Siamese, of course, came from Thailand. Well, I love them both. So that, that is absolutely fascinating. Are there any breeds of cat that have become extinct that, like, that don't exist anymore? Actually, there is. Back in the early 1900s, CFA accepted and recognized a breed called the Australian. They're very similar to what we have as Oriental Shorthairs today, but they weren't very prolific. And by the mid-1920s, they were extinct. Wow, that is fascinating. See, I knew I knew you would know that if I asked you. <laughs> you're, you're a fellow cat lover, and that's the kind of stuff we know. <laughs> Without well, a doubt. <laughs> so I would encourage all my listeners to look this stuff up. I mean, how fascinating is it to see a photo gallery of ancient cats and learn more about cats and see artifacts? Go and see this museum. Thank you, Karen, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time, and, and I just didn't know all of this. I'm so excited to be able to share this with my listeners. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. So all of my cat-loving listeners, and of course, thank you to my amazing producer, Mark Winter. Can't forget him. But I want all of my cat-loving listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.